You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Luke 9, if you're there, I'll begin reading in verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever, the, wherever you go, whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. I find it quite strange that I have just now come to the truth of that scripture. These are always strange moments for me when I've read something, looked at something, and thought I understood it. How strange it is after all these years to come to a passage like this and realize I'm understanding it for the first time. Again, I don't know how many times I have heard this read and heard it preached, but the Lord brought something unusual to it last week. I'm probably the last one here to understand what Jesus is saying in this passage, but just in case I'm not, I'm going to share with you from this passage what he told me. Because honestly, what I thought he was saying to this certain man that said, I will follow you wherever you go, I I thought that what he was saying, that, that, that you can't follow me where I, wherever I go because I don't have a place of my own to go. I mean, he said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus says, well, I don't have a home. I don't have a place. And that was the best I'd ever done in that scripture until yesterday. So I want to look at it again. And again, you may, look, you may hear me say this and say, my goodness, Randy, why in the world had you not understood that before now? A certain man said that he wanted and was committed to follow Jesus wherever he might go. But listen carefully to Jesus' response in verse 58. His response almost seemed like he didn't hear what the man said. Because the man said, came to him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. We would have had that man signing the card. We would have had him up here shaking his hand saying, welcome, you know, come be a part of us and, and walk with us. We would have expected from Jesus words of encouragement. We would have expected acceptance. We would have accepted eagerness, maybe even excitement from Jesus for this good news that there was somebody else who wanted to come follow him. So when we get this response, it almost seems disconnected from what the man said when he came up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you and I'll not only follow you, but I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have no holes. I mean, foxes have holes. Think the man was confused? I want to follow you. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Can you make sense of it so far? No, it's like, I think Jesus needs to get his hearing checked. These two statements don't seem to make any sense with what the man just said. And then he said, but the son of man has not where to lay his head. When I got it slowed down enough in my head, reading it got it slow enough. 
which is what it takes sometimes. I understood Jesus' response because he said, foxes have holes for a home. Birds have nests for a home. And Jesus said, I'm looking for a home in you. That's what he was telling the man who came and said, I want to walk with you. He said, foxes have holes for a home. Birds have nests for a home. And I'm looking for a home in you. I'm looking for a place in you where I can lay my head. You will not have to go where I go based on this truth. You won't have to wonder if you can keep up with me. You won't have to wonder if you're going to be nervous when I go somewhere that you may not want to go, when I go sit down someplace where you may not want to go, or when I go to the cross and you may be hesitant to follow me there. He said, you won't have to worry about it if this is true, because if I find a home in you, you won't have to worry about following me because I'm going to be in you going wherever you go. And I will assure you there's a world of difference. If he ever finds a place to lay his head, heaven will open in your life. I'll say that again. If he ever finds a place to lay his head in you, heaven will be open unto you. He's saying it as plainly as he can say it. I want us to consider Jacob for just a second. Back in Genesis 28, Jacob has been told by his mother, I want you to go live with Laban because of the things that he's done to his brother. So he's going and he's on his way. And the first night that he leaves his mother and father's house, he lays down at this place and he, and he lays his head on a rock. And when he does, he has a vision. And in that vision, he sees this ladder that goes from heaven to the earth and there's angels ascending and descending on this, on this ladder. Look at Genesis 28, verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Why so much attention to a stone that he had used for a pillow? When Jacob laid his head, rested his head on the rock, which is Jesus, he found access to heaven. Think about that. When the headship of our life rests on the stone, which is Jesus, all of the abundance of heaven will become ours. That's the promise being made here. That's the assurance that Jesus is giving this man who's coming along to follow. He's saying, if, if you will let me find a home inside of you, then you will be just as Jacob was when he laid his head on this rock and he found the back door to heaven. I tell you this morning, we're living in spiritual poverty. We're living in emotional and, and mental brokenness. 
because we don't seem to be able to find the provision that God has made so open and so obvious, even when we've been saying to him, Jesus, we will follow you. I mean, we're sitting here today as believers because somewhere back there, we made the statement to him, wherever you go, Jesus, I will follow you. And he says to us, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Wouldn't that be an awkward tragedy? For us to have announced so many years ago when I was eight years old, sitting on the side of the bed, for me to, to, to say to God, I will follow you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior, and I will follow you. And even with those words coming out of my mouth, I gave him no place in me to take up residence inside of me to have a home where he wanted to have a home. I will tell you today, and and there's no great surprise to this. The majority of the Christian world would say clearly with their voices, I will follow you, Jesus. I will follow you. I love you. And have absolutely made no place in their life for him to lay his head. And then wonder why, why they live, why we live in spiritual poverty. But I want to take this response one step further. I know this is going to sound odd, but this is where where God took me. Because I couldn't make complete sense out of what Jesus said when he chose to say, I have no place to lay my head. He could have said many things. He could have said, I have no place to sit at a table. I have no place to rest. But he didn't. He said, I have no place to lay my head. In the broadest sense, he was saying, I have no bed in which to lay. Now, there are generally two things that happen in bed. One is sleep and the other is not sleep. You follow my drift? Okay. One one is sleep and the other is, is not sleep. So I will, uh, I will do this as tastefully and, and considerately as I can. Where does a fox go to reproduce? Where does a bird lay eggs to reproduce? Where does Jesus go to reproduce himself? In us. He reproduces himself in us. You understand that there was more to it than him just saying, I'm looking for a place. He says, I'm looking for a place so that where I lay my head, I can actually reproduce me in you. You see, this is real handy. Because in John chapter 14, we recognize some things, powerful things. In John 14, Jesus says, I'm going away. It's necessary in John 16. It's expedient that I go away. There was something in the going away that he had to do. We know what it was. He had to deal with our sin, your sin, my sin, yesterday's sin, today's sin, tomorrow's sin, all dealt with on the cross. But that wasn't all the promise. 
He said, because if I can deal with the sin, then I'm going to send my spirit back so that it can indwell you. Because at that time, Jesus was the only one in whom the spirit could fully dwell. Jesus was the only one who was without sin. Jesus was the only one in whom the spirit could fully exist. But he says, if I go away and I deal with your sin, then you can have what I have. I can send the spirit of God to live in you. If you will make a place for him to lay his head. If you will make a place for the spirit to rest in you, then instead of there being one of me walking the face of the earth, immediately after Pentecost, there was about a hundred, and then there was about a thousand, and then there were three thousand, and then there were five thousand, who, who just like Jesus was now indwelt by the Spirit of God because he was reproducing himself in person after person after person by the indwelling of his Spirit, and he's still desiring to do that today looking for a place where he can rest his head in you, in your life, in your heart, so that he can reproduce in you that power. He can reproduce in you that love we've been talking about. He can reproduce in you that strength. He can reproduce in you that glory. He can reproduce in you that sonship that establishes us as the children of God. He has a great desire this morning, to do that in you. But can he find a place to rest his head? I can't answer that. No one can but you. Because the big question that exists in all of us, it would be different if we were sitting here and that place was empty. If that place where, the, where he wanted to lay was empty. But I will assure you, we have filled that spot with stuff. We have filled that spot with worry. We have filled that spot with anxiety. We have, we have filled that place with the things of our own desires. And one of the un, unusual things that's going to have to happen if you're going to make a place for him to lay is kind of like inviting somebody to spend the night and realize they're fixing to spend the night in your guest bedroom. But what's the problem? What's in your guest bedroom? Everything, because that's where the, everything gets laid. It's stored. You know, there's boxes in there, and there's this in there. So it's like, if, if he's going to have the place to lay his head, i got to move some stuff. Well, I will assure you today, there's a lot of stuff in our lives that needs to be moved to, lay a, to make a place so that he can lay his head. I know, what's, I know the stuff that's in the way because it's the same stuff that's in my way. We think we're very clever at hiding this stuff in that extra room. Well, I want to tell you, God's already been in the extra room. He knows, he kind of knows what's in there. But he's asking in this moment, am I willing? Are you willing to clean that stuff out so he can have a place to lay his head? Because he has such a desire to re reproduce himself in you. I'm going back to the same illustration I use all the time, so pardon me, but it's just such a good illustration. I should, I ought to do it. Just, if you take two balloons out of a package, 
come out of the same package. And I take that first balloon and I fill it up with air from my lungs. And I blow it up, get it good size, and I tie it. And I hold it out. And I let it go. What's going to happen to that balloon? It's just going to go to the floor. If I take the second balloon and I fill it full of helium, and I make it nice and round, and I fill it full of helium, and I tie a knot in it, and I hold it out, and I let it go, what's it going to do? It's going to go to the ceiling. One balloon better than the other? Different than the other? No, as a matter of fact, they're quite alike. But you see, the, rec- the balloon is only capable of putting on display that which is inside of it. So there's a huge difference between me being filled up with me and me being filled up with him. You see, my capacity changes from being full of me. I know what that feels like. I lived that way for most of my life, pretty full of myself. Until that day came when the air went out of that balloon and all I was left with was to ask him to fill it back up. But I realize now I've got a capability and a capacity that looks more like him than it does me. You see, he wants to reproduce himself in us. As I was preparing for this, my mind went back to something, and I'm not really sure why it went back there, but From my childhood, and and I'm sure yours as well, if you spend any time at church at all, I remember pastors who were masters of the final invitation. You never knew because there was a good chance that the invitation was going to go as long as the message. These were powerful moments. They weren't so powerful when I was little, but these were powerful moments when pastors or evangelists would stand and with force of truth and power, bring people to the altar. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Been there? I mean, these are, these are serious moments. And they really got serious. Let me change the word. They got terrifying when they started this. Well, if you're sitting here and you've never been saved, raise your hand. It's like, oh, no. If you're, if you're, if you're, Standing there and you're feeling this, raise your hand. It's like, no, I'm not. My hand is not going up. Matter of fact, this is when you find tall people. You just kind of step, step over behind them, you know, tall people. And you, because the last thing you want to do is for that evangelist, that pastor to make eye contact because then you're going to be doing something you didn't intend to do. I went back to that. If, if I don't, again, I don't know why the Lord took me back to those moments except for the fact that When Jesus said this to this man, it's like the man had come to the altar and and Jesus, as the pastor was standing there, because Jesus was offering this amazing invitation. What was the invitation? If you'll just open, if you'll be open, I'll come in. I heard when I read this, that same old invitation. The one I used to hear as a child when pastors would stand on this platform and make this appeal. And, you know, I, Shorty was a part of this, you know, in, in relations. But 
And some of, some of you here that were members back then, remember in, in that one revival from those invitations, over 100 were baptized. There was force and power in those invitation moments. And I've been there, I've stood here in this church when this, when this altar is full. Jesus is extending an invitation to you this morning. He's saying, not here. He don't, it, whether you come here or not, it doesn't matter. He's saying, I'm giving you an invitation that if you'll let me, if you'll find a place for me to lay down in your life, I'll come and I'll lay my head so that the headship of your life will be placed on a rock and I'll open heaven to you. I'll open the provision of heaven to you. I'll, it'll be grace and love and mercy and kindness and goodness and those things that only I can produce. This is the type of passage that will bring people to their feet back in those days. This scripture is Jesus so powerfully giving you an invitation. Do you have room in your dwelling place for him to live? Some of you right now have already determined that this is not for you. Have already made a mental decision or an emotional one that this doesn't relate to you. Somewhere, somehow, sometime within this conversation, there's just been, there's just been a decision that's made perfectly fine. But for those of you still open and wondering, if you open your life, will he come lay down? and find a place to rest his head, the answer is yes. Do you have room in your heart for him? And what must you remove for him to have that place? Father, we come in this moment recognizing that this scripture is one that I'd never seen this way before. I'd never seen it as an invitation to this man who came and made such a bold statement that he wanted to follow you wherever you wanted to go, but you knew his heart. You knew the words that you heard, but you also knew his heart, just like you know ours. You hear our words, but the question is, what do you see in our heart? You, we clearly recognize God. You hear our words, but you also know what's in our heart. And you're saying to us by this same invitation, if you can make room in there, I will become life for you. I will come and fill that place. I will come and take up residence in you so that I can reproduce my love through you so that your wife is loved by my love. So your husband is loved not by the love you give, but by the love I give. That love that forgives, that love that restores, that love that builds, that love that is kind, that love that is compassionate, I will reproduce that love in you for those around you if you'll just give me a place to live inside you. I will produce my strength. I will produce my power. I will reproduce my joy. I'll reproduce happiness in you if you'll just give me a place to lay my head in your heart. I will reproduce life, resurrection, eternity in you, courage where fear has no place to stand. I will do that in you if you will give me a place. You know our hearts this morning and you know the ones here 
who have said the words, I'll follow you, but their hearts have never let you in. You know that difference this morning. Thank you, Father, for shining a light on it, bringing attention to it. And I pray now by your spirit, you would move according to what you see and how you see it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.